Hi, my name is Althea, and this is the Clean Your Room podcast. Hi, my name is Althea, and this is the Clean Your Room podcast. This is season one, episode five, and I'm recording this on Monday, January 25th. 2021 in Los Angeles, California. Today's episode is going in a different direction than the last couple I've done, which talked more about personal relationships with our things. Today, we're talking about surfaces. Well, I'm going to talk about my surfaces and how I deal with keeping those clean. And if you want to talk about your surfaces, you can too. You can send an audio message through the website, email info at cleanyourroompodcast.com or post in the Clean Your Room podcast Instagram, Facebook group, Facebook page, or on TikTok. We're at Clean Your Room on all of the social media. You never know, I might mention you on a future episode of the podcast. Uh, I know I have a lot of friends with podcasts, and I love hearing my name in the shout outs. So maybe you love that too, and I'd be very happy to accommodate you. So speaking of shout outs, Sailor Jennifer said in Apple Podcast Reviews, this is from a couple weeks ago, uh, quote, listen to the podcast today during my lunchtime. No better time to start getting organized as we head into the new year. I definitely need to clean my room. End quote. You are not alone, Sailor Jennifer. And the reason I decided to bump surfaces up the list of podcast topics is because if you give me a flat surface of any kind, I will immediately think of something to put on it. Uh, I'll get more to that. Uh, I'll get to more about that in just a few minutes. Before we do, I want to thank everyone who already rated and reviewed the podcast. It really helps other people find the show, and it makes me feel really glad that I finally decided to hit publish on the first episode after more than a year just noodling around thinking about it. So I I would love to hear your feedback about your listening experience so far so that I can just keep iterating on and improving the show. So any way that you want to get in touch, please do it. You can find my email, how to send an audio message, and all the social media links on cleanyourroompodcast.com. I'm so happy that even if there haven't been that many people listening to the show thus far, uh, that I've been getting really great feedback from the people that do listen. Uh, Also looking at the analytics from the show, I have listeners from all over the world. Uh, About 20% of you who are listening so far are not from the United States, which I think is so cool. Uh, Canada is leading right now with 5% of listeners coming from there. I also have uh, less than 5% of listeners in the following countries, Belgium, wow, Uh, the Philippines, and I won't lie, I'm probably related to whoever that is, so family member, thank you for your support. Um, We have listeners in Germany, Australia, Norway, South Africa, the UK, Indonesia, Ireland, Singapore, where I used to live, and I need to figure out some kind of cleaning organization angle to work into doing an episode about Singapore, because it was such a cool place to live uh, when I was a little, little child. Um, uh, Also Spain and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So that's amazing to me that this little podcast show is (laughs) reaching all around the world. Thank you all for tuning in. 
I just want to briefly mention also that I've been trying to do more Instagram stories because I love making them and I love watching other people's stories. And I think it's a really fun way to also share posts from other people that I admire on there. I also get into some pretty fun conversations with people. One of the convos I had was just today with another new podcaster, Donna, who is the voice behind the What Even Is podcast. So you should check that out. It's just called What Even Is Podcast, and see if she talks about a random topic that you'd like to know about. Um, anyway, she messaged me uh, because I had started posting stories in response to my friend Wendy saying, oh, where do you keep your thousands of books? I actually don't have thousands of books right now. I, I made a very good um, point of trying to uh, divest myself of books the past few years. Anyway, Donna uh, said, wow, you read, you read so many books because I was talking about the amount of books that I acquire and give away each year being in the hundreds. And I just had to tell her, uh, I didn't say I read them. <laughs> I want to, but sadly, I do not get to read all of my books. I do want to get back into the groove of reading every day like I did before my last years of college, which by the way, I finished like three years ago. So I really don't have an excuse for not reading so much. Um, I also told her to look up a Japanese term, which you can look up. It's called sundoku. That's T-S-U-N-D-O-K-U. And sundoku means the activity of acquiring books without reading them. And that is largely what I'm doing at the moment. So <laughs> thanks so much for engaging with me, Donna. And I'll probably put your podcast on my list of ones to listen to the next time I have a cleaning project, because uh, I can't listen to episodes of my own podcast. Usually by then, I'm pretty sick of hearing my own voice after I've tried editing my podcast. So, uh, and if you're on Instagram, definitely look me up. Again, it's Clean Your Room Podcast. Uh, I'm planning to post more reels soon, and I would love to see your comments or replies to my stories as I go along in documenting this podcast progress. Uh, so speaking of what to listen to during your next cleaning project, this is the fifth episode of the show. Uh, which I've been so thrilled that I actually kept up with consistently over the past month. We have the intro episode, that's number one. The next one was kind of a basic cleaning strategy or like motivating you to clean. Um, the third episode was uh, with my first guest, Laura Starr, who talks about um, cleanups that are initiated by big life changes. And then the last one was me talking about my borderline hoarder tendencies. Uh, which, you know, I for some time denied that I had. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm that person. Uh, so thanks to all of you who have listened to all of the episodes and are caught up. Well, what do you do when you finish this episode and you've already listened to all of the episodes of Clean Your Own Podcast that currently exist? Uh, well, I have a quick list of various, various podcasts that I listen to and recommend. Um, I actually have more than the ones that I'm going to talk about this episode, but I'm going to kick off with all of the people that I personally know who have podcasts, which I feel like is quite a lot of people at this juncture. There's even a few I'm just not even mentioning here because they make the list too long. I'll save those for a future episode. Uh, and these, by the way, are not ads. Uh, I don't have any kind of kickbacks or sponsorship deals. With any of these folks, they're just actual people that I know and their podcasts, which I listen to. 
Um, first off, if you are a knitter and or fiber enthusiast, my number one recommendation, absolute favorite people in the world, uh, it's the Twisted Stitches podcast with Twee and Kimberly. You can find them on Apple Podcasts and a bunch of other places like Libsyn. You should just Google Twisted Stitches podcast and you'll find them. Uh, they're super funny. They're down to earth knitters. I've known them in real life for years before they even had a podcast. Uh, they also talk about media like TV, books and movies, other fun stuff in their lives. I love them so much. I'm glad they're still making this podcast, even though, you know, it's we've been we've all been through 2020. We know what 2020 does to people and creativity and routines and stuff like that. So but they, they just dropped an episode today, which I'm so excited about. So if if you hear me um, have talking really fast in this episode. It's because I need to finish recording this episode so I can go listen to their episode. <laughs> anyway, so Twisted Stitches podcast, and I'll put links to all of the podcasts that I'm mentioning in the show in the show notes. So next up, one of my oldest friends, I used to work with him at Borders Books and Music a lifetime ago, it feels like. Brent Pope is an actor. His podcast is called Brentfest. And he gets breakfast and chats with other actors about everything under the, under the sun. I can't even really describe it. You just have to go listen. I highly recommend it if you love TV, movies, and comedy. If you're an aspiring actor hoping to get cast in some Hollywood project and you just kind of want to know, like, what what do people do? I mean, it's not it's not like an industry industry podcast, like, this is how you get cast. But just like, the uh, I don't know, the life stories and experience of all these super cool uh, people. Or maybe you just need breakfast recommendations somewhere in our neighborhood, which is kind of like East Valley, um, you know, kind of North Hollywood, <laughs> Van Nuys-ish area. Uh, there's lots of great breakfast to be found here. And I feel like Brent and his guests have sampled it all. So next up, if you want to think about and listen to people talking about mental health, my friend Known Wells hosts the You, Me, Empathy podcast. I've actually been a guest on there a couple of times. So if you want to hear uh, sad parts of my life story, um, yeah, I'm on there a couple of times. I admire him so much as a podcaster. He really does his best to explore some really hard topics with as much human kindness and empathy as possible. So if you like vulnerable stories, visceral, authentic, sometimes painful, sometimes you just had to laugh at life kind of funny stories, um, check out Yumi Empathy. And Known also runs the Feely Human Collective. So check that out uh, as well if you need, you know, a boost of your mental health, which I feel like, again, I hesitate to keep bringing up 2020, but we, we know what you did. We know what you did. Uh, and we need support for our mental health. Um, and then uh, the Clean Your Room podcast would not be out right now if not for Jason Patria. And Jason hosts the podcast Lead With Your Brand, trademark. Jason is a keynote speaker. He's a diversity advocate. He's a branding expert. He's a showman. He's a great teacher all around. Uh, so if you need inspiration to grow into your next big career breakthrough of any kind, check out his podcast. He talks with tons of entertainment, media, and tech people. So there's always something new and insightful to learn from each episode. So, and thanks, Jason, for that little push. Otherwise, I, I would not be talking to anyone right now. I'd just be talking to myself and then deleting my message to myself. Um, okay, 
just one more before we get into the main part of the episode. Uh, if you are a parent or are interested in parenting related topics, my friend Hannah is on a podcast with her friend Melissa. It's called After the Kids Are in Bed. And I'll be frank, it's actually kind of hard for me personally to listen to because I have for several years been struggling with infertility, uh, which I talk about on Ron's podcast. So <laughs> now you have multiple things to listen to. I haven't listened to all of their episodes, but I love Hannah so much. I had to shout out her podcast anyway. It's still going. I double, triple check that there's new episodes. There's one from like yesterday. So if that's something you think you'd like to hear about, check it out. They talk about the issues that they face as parents. They talk about their kids' mental health. They talk about just family life things from mundane stuff like what do you feed your kids to big things like buying a house or talking to their kids about sex. So that's after the kids are in bed. Now, you'll notice that I don't have any cleaning podcasts in this list at all, and that was on purpose. Actually, I don't listen to any at the moment because I wanted to make sure that all of the content I'm coming up with for the show is as original to me as possible and not a rehash of something that I heard on some other show. But if you have recommendations for other podcasts to listen to, even TV shows or movies that you like to listen to when you clean, or feedback about the show and questions on cleaning and organization, I'd love, love, love to hear from you please comment on my social media. You can send me a DM. Please be nice about those because I don't want to have to block you. Um, uh, send me an email. That's info at cleanyourroompodcast.com. What else? Uh, you can leave me a voicemail message. So there's links to that um, on the website, cleanyourroompodcast.com. There are so many ways to contact me. You can find those on the show notes. They're also on the link tree in all of my Clean Your Room podcast social media profiles, including Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, and TikTok. And yeah, I'm still thinking about, I'm working on the TikTok thing. There's got to be something there. And there's cleaning TikTok and like sea shanty TikTok, which I think really distracted me from coming up with my own cleaning TikTok stuff. But yeah, that's that, that one's on me. I just need to focus and actually put something on there. <laughs> Um, I'm going to take a brief break now for a sponsored ad, and then we'll get into today's topic. Okay, so let's talk surfaces. Specifically, today we're talking about just the horizontal surfaces, okay? I'm going to leave vertical ones, i.e. walls, for another episode entirely, because it's just too much to talk about. This would be like a three-hour long episode, which I'm sure some people would enjoy, uh, and some people would be like, oh, my God, I'm not listening to two hours of this woman talking about walls. Um, I'm also going to leave enclosed surfaces like cabinets and cupboards or insides of drawers and filing cabinets for another episode. because It's just too much. Uh, this one, I'm just going to focus on uh, all of those open horizontal areas of your home, which if you're anything like me, they are just magnets for stuff. My surfaces tend to be piled corner to corner uh, generally all the time. Um, if you want to see a sampling of the surfaces in my home and how I treat them, sometimes poorly, I refer you to my Instagram page at Clean Your Room Podcast. So now, depending on how you arrange things and what those things are, your surfaces might already look clean. They might be organized. They might be curated. Or they might just look like a cluttered mess or somewhere in between, you know, things are always in flux. I grew up in a lot of family homes where basically 
every surface is either an invitation to display something or store something. So I'll give you my first example, counter space. Kitchen and bathroom counter space in the family homes that I grew up in were always just covered edge to edge and things. I pretty much grew up thinking of counters as just more storage. Like if you have an appliance of some kind, even if you don't use it that often, like a juicer, it just goes out on the counter. That's where it's stored. Um, if you have produce that doesn't keep in the fridge, like potatoes or tomatoes or bananas on the counter, if you got mail, if you had cleaning products, if you had coffee cups, anything that just arrived or gets used frequently, it just sits on the counter. That's where it actually lives. So everything is everywhere. Uh, in the bathroom, if you had a big bottle of lotion, all your cosmetics and your toothbrush, all of your dental paraphernalia, your hairbrush, hair ties, et cetera, et cetera, you just arrange it all on the counter. So everything is out and within easy reach and you can see where everything is. So I grew up thinking this is how the world works. Uh, well, yeah, so you can see where everything is, right? This is, uh, I would have to say good for some people, not great for, for many, many people. Uh, I thought that's how all counters were supposed to be. And that pretty much in all homes everywhere in the world, that's how counters functioned. I think the driving idea was if you put it out, I can see it all the time. I know where it is. I don't have to go looking for it. It's not lost. So it's that's good. Uh, I don't have to go looking for it in some drawer because I'll never remember which one it's in. And depending on your situation and how little actual storage you have in the way of medicine cabinets, uh, regular cabinets, drawers, pantry, linen closets, and so forth, that might be true for you. The counter might be the only logical or available space to put things. However, I'm willing to bet that in most situations, having everything out where you can see it just makes it easier to pile things, harder to find things because of the sheer volume of stuff that is out at any one time. So let's talk about how to re-envision your surfaces to be the best that they can be. What would it take to get every surface in your home clear, clean, and looking its best? Wouldn't it be nice to wake up like on a Saturday morning, see that it's your day to dust all the surfaces, grab a cleaning cloth, and be done dusting the whole house in like 10 minutes flat? I actually don't remember when it was, but at some point in my life, I think we stayed in a hotel. And for a long time, I couldn't put my finger on why I loved hotels so freaking much. Uh, it wasn't until sometime in my 20s that it hit me. It was because staying in a hotel is like getting to live in a brand new house. Like it's your first day in a new apartment and nothing is a mess. All the beds are nice and crisp. The toilet is spotless, hopefully, if it's a good hotel. And the counters are all clear, right? If your hotel room has a bathroom counter, it might have maybe a soap dish maybe a little plastic cup and sometimes the ice bucket and a couple of towels and that's that's it that's everything that is cluttering that up if there's a mess it's usually because you brought it there like you let your cosmetic bag explode all over the counter or something like that my husband's thing actually when when we travel is um he has a hanging cosmetic caddy that just unfolds and you can see all your toiletries through the clear vinyl so you don't have to dirty up the counters with all your stuff um so when we moved into the apartment that we have now, I decided that as much as humanly possible, I was going to keep the counters clear. Like I don't even keep products on the counter like 
earbuds, cotton pads for cleaning off makeup. That's all put away. Uh, I just have really the liquid soap dispenser, my toothbrush, because my husband keeps this in the medicine cabinet. And I like to keep my toothbrush out where the air can dry it quickly. Um, and we have a bottled mouthwash because it doesn't fit in any of the cabinets. And the, usually the hair dryer is out on the counter because I'm a little bit lazy. And that's what gets left out there. I'm not saying that it doesn't look messy sometimes. Like right now, as I'm recording this episode, it's probably kind of a mess. Um, as I mentioned in the previous episode, which I called Big Move Energy, which is now a title I don't like, but I'm too... I don't know. I don't want to, I'm not going to go back and change it. Big move energy where I talk about my borderline hoarder tendencies. Uh, I talk about the amount of clutter that I have and how it's directly affected by how much stress that I'm feeling. But whenever I make a point of envisioning the bathroom counter as being reset to that state of like brand new, uh, just moved in, uh, it doesn't take me very long or even very much energy to make it look clean again. And if you haven't listened to the previous episodes yet, I refer you to episode two, which is time to clean, in which I explain my four-step method of deep cleaning. So the short version is, and I'll probably repeat this a couple of times, you visualize the area the way that it should be. You clear it completely, uh, clean, wash or dust it um, so, so that the surface itself is um, clean. And then reset just the items that are staying and deal with any items that don't belong. So things that you're going to keep, but just relocate to somewhere else, things that go in the trash or recycling, and then things that you're going to sell or donate. Uh, again, depending on how dirty that you let this space get since the last time it was cleaned and reset, the process might take an hour or two, or it might take five minutes. Remember, it's much easier to clean something that is clean already. So when I clean my bathroom counter, I envision a nice hotel bathroom. The faucet is shiny. There's no mold or mildew in sight. The mirror is spotless. And there's nothing on the counter except soap and maybe one or two items. Another trick that I use is I keep the soap and the mouthwash bottle on the left corner of the sink. This is for a very specific reason. It's so when you're walking by the bathroom, you actually don't see them most of the time. They're hidden by the wall because they're in the corner. So you just see kind of a completely blank, tidy bathroom counter. So nice. Uh, and then the other thing that I envision actually is my friend Shane's bathroom. Uh, my husband and I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, we used to play D&D at his uh, our friend Shane's apartment. And whenever we came over, the bathroom counter would just be completely empty, like just a little liquid soap dispenser next to the sink and nothing else. I mean, he's gotten married since and they now have a sweet little baby girl. Hi, Kristen and Sierra, if you are listening. So I don't know if the bathroom is still as spotless and uncluttered. <laughs> but even though it doesn't always look that way, that's still my bathroom goal. As for the kitchen counter, our apartment kitchen does actually have a ton of counter space, but the reason why it looks so clean most of the time and why I consider it to have a lot of counter space is because we try as much as possible to keep at least 50% of it clear. There's space to the right of the sink that is almost always empty. To the right of that, there's a couple of appliances, just an instant pot, uh, the rice cooker, and some trivets. And then the space to the left of the sink is the coffee station. 
And at the back corner uh, of the kitchen is the most cluttered, but it's also the one that's hardest to see if you're not actually in the kitchen. So that's got uh, the microwave, the toaster oven, and then any vegetables that kind of need to be kept in the dark since that's the darkest corner of the kitchen during the day. And we actually have more appliances that could go out on the counters, but we made a conscious choice not to put those items out. They live in other cabinets and shelves so that we do have room to prep food or dry the dishes on the counter. Counter space and what we already have on there is, is something we take into consideration whenever we wanna try and acquire a new appliance or some other kitchen gadget. If we're going to add something, that means we have to move something off of the counter or get rid of something to make room. Uh, we might even make room inside the cupboards to store it. Uh, it's And it's not always easy, right? A lot of these kitchen uh, appliances are kind of big. Uh, lastly, there is a kind of a breakfast bar area and I'll be honest, it is the hardest part for me to keep clean because it's the border between the dining room and the kitchen. It's where we tend to unpack new packages that just arrived. Um, and we have a little Ikea kitchen island tucked right under it, which is where you would normally have stools to sit on at the breakfast bar. And we also have our kind of COVID necessary quarantine cleaning station there. So paper towels, disinfectant, uh, disinfecting wipes when we can find them, which is not frequently um, we have a little bin for our used cloth masks. Anyway, it's just really easy to start piling things there that you don't quite have a place for yet or just like leave your coffee cup to rest or something like that. So I've been making a point of clearing it at the end of every night. So at least we don't wake up with the counter already covered in stuff every morning. So if your bathroom and kitchen counters are already clean and clear, well, good for you. You are way ahead of me, uh, probably way ahead of a lot of people listening to this podcast, because this is, you know, in normal non-quarantine times, I usually rely on that uh, every couple of weeks, some random guest is going to come over and that forces me to clean the bathroom or forces me to spend a little time clearing up the kitchen counters so they don't look like such a mess. But since we're still locked down here in California, actually, we're supposed to not be in lockdown uh, soon. But for practical, uh, you know, trying not to get sick reasons, we're still going to remain locked down ourselves. Uh, anyway, all this time that we've been uh, in quarantine isolation, I really just have to do cleaning for myself and my husband. And it's really easy to just rationalize letting things go because no one else is going to see it. Uh, and this is why you'll see me post about these surfaces pretty frequently on my Instagram because I actually want to be reminded what they look like when they're clean. Uh, so I can be motivated to keep them looking good, even though no one's coming here to check on me and, you know, be potentially grossed out by my kitchen counter. All right. So the next horizontal surface we'll talk about is my nemesis, the desk. Dun, dun, dun. Um, if you've been working or uh, doing homeschooling, chances are your desk or your children's desk or your spouse's desk or whoever uh, has seen a lot of use in the past year. Uh, when you're a piler like me, it is so easy to let the desk get out of control. 
there's always at least 10 to 15 items that don't make it off the tabletop ever because I'm using them right now or I'm about to use it again. Uh, in the olden days, even though I have a, my desk in the bedroom, uh, I would usually have like a pile of dishes there too from eating at my desk. <laughs> Guys, I shudder to think what mugs or dishes or food I might have left on my desk in the actual office last March. Uh, I hope someone's gotten to them and thrown things away. Uh, I invested in a standing desk for home last year because uh, I have back problems and it's really been a godsend. But the, the thing with most standing desks is they do not come with storage. And since I have a pack rat sort of nature and all of the surrounding storage areas, cabinets, drawers, etc., are already full to overflowing with stuff, it's not like I can just sweep the stuff off my desktop and into a drawer so the desk is clear at the end of the day. I just have nowhere to put it. It also does not help that I have more than one laptop. Uh, I have my work one, and then I have a personal one that I'm also using a lot for school. So right now, it really sucks not to have a place to stash these items at the end of the day. Uh, I also have a tendency to keep a mug of pens and pencils nearby. This is despite actually needing like a maximum of just one pen, maybe one pencil on a daily basis. So I have those out and I have like 30 more pens and pencils just in case I need a different one than the two that I have out. Um, I've also been keeping my sunrise alarm clock on my desk. And I think although I'm going to try to find solutions to get rid of some of the other things I normally keep on there, I'm probably going to keep the alarm clock there. Uh, a sunrise alarm clock is a special kind of gadget that basically half an hour before the real alarm goes off. It, it has a light that turns on and gradually gets brighter and brighter and brighter over 30 minutes until it's like the sun is shining in your room. So we live in an apartment. Uh, there's a really tall building next to us. And so it's shady all the time. And uh, we have our blinds closed all night for obvious reasons. Uh, what normally happens, especially on weekends, is I will just sleep in as late as humanly possible because the blinds keep everything super dark. And so it's really easy to just stay in bed. Uh, I'm probably going to keep the clock on the desk, not, not just because it's the right location for me to see the light in the morning, but also it's far away enough from my bed that I have to actually get up out of bed to turn it off. And that definitely contributes to waking me up in the morning. Lastly, I also found out that when I'm on a Zoom call, which is like all the time now, I can turn the light on and it acts like kind of a ring light would do to spotlight my face so I don't look so gloomy. <laughs> so going on my to-do list for this weekend is to clear at least one drawer or shelf near my desk so that I can have a place to dump my clutter at the end of the day so I don't just have piles of paper sitting on my desk morning, noon, and night. Also, I'm going to try to find a better location for the three dozen or so pens and pencils I feel I need to have near me at all times because they don't need to be out there. Uh, you can check out my Instagram in the coming weeks to see whether I succeed in keeping my desk clean. If you have a cluttered desk area, here are my tips and ideas for keeping it clean. Number one, designate a corner of your desk where all of your food and drink items go. And at least at the end of your workday or school day, take that pile of dishes and mugs and trash and whatever and get it all to the kitchen. 
uh, has to be every day or even a couple of times per day. If you tend to pile a lot of food items throughout the day, I recommend getting a small tray or maybe a basket or something of the sort so you don't drop anything on the way to the kitchen. I would not recommend keeping a trash can right in your desk, especially if the, your desk is in a location that isn't normally occupied by food because you're just asking for ants. Um, I actually am pretty good at clearing my stuff right after I eat, like at the end of my break, even if I don't take the time to wash it right then or even to put it in the dishwasher, I'll at least take my dirty dishes to the kitchen. And yeah, I sometimes leave them on that counter that I'm always trying to keep clear, but that's, you know, I'm working on it. Number two, if you have too many supplies being stored on the surface of the desk, you can get either A, you can get a cute container that fits the item so you can store them properly instead of just leaving them lying around on the desk. Although, just caveat, sometimes that turns into more clutter. So just be careful. Know thyself. <laughs> uh, B, you could clear out a shelf or drawer near your desk and designate that as storage just for your desk clutter. Uh, and just clear everything into that drawer every day. And in the morning, you can take stuff out that you need and leave in there, you know, what's just kind of cluttering up your desk normally. Uh, C, you can assess what items you actually use throughout the day and only keep those items on your desk. As I said, I pretty much only need one pen and one pencil. Some Sometimes I need a lens cloth for my glasses and maybe a marker or highlighter very occasionally uh, and my Apple Pencil, but that doesn't mean that all of these potentially useful things need to hang out on top of the desk all the time. You can put the other items away and just keep out what you really use and need during your day. If you have a tendency to display things on the top of your desk, like toys or photos or electronics, consider whether it's more worth it to you to be taking up the real estate for something decorative or something that's useful. For me personally, I've really gotten away from displaying decorations on my desk. I put fun images on my laptop wallpaper. I put toys on the shelves nearby where I can see them. I put art up on the walls next to it. I have some plants behind me. When I was in high school, I would actually take scrap paper or cardboard and tape a layer of it all over the desktop so I could scribble notes and math homework all over the surface of my desk. But now since I take so many notes online or in apps or devices, I just don't do that anymore and it looks a lot less uh, cluttered. I really like taking a cleaning cloth or a magic eraser and just making my standing desk as clean as when it was new. And that I, I feel like that helps when I'm starting to feel unproductive as to just take a minute and clean my desk. So number three, as with the counters that we talked about earlier, uh, visualize what a reset clean desk looks like. I have my monitor stand, a laptop, a coaster for my hot drink, my sunlight alarm clock, and a little stand where I prop up my phone or iPad. Um, I also have a little cap that holds my glasses. I'll show you a picture. It's really cute. My husband actually got it as like a secret Santa thing from work, I think. And now it's mine because it looks just like my cat. And I need somewhere to put my glasses that I'm constantly losing otherwise. Um, so take a minute at the beginning of your day to reset it to the state. Uh, if it was a mess from the night before, 
If it wasn't a mess, good for you, because then you can just go straight to work. And then after work or school, take a few minutes at the end of the day to reset it again to the state. It's understandable that if you're in the middle of a work day or if you're in the middle of a project that you, you can't finish in a single day, it might not always look clean and tidy. Uh, you might gather some piles. That's okay. But just remember, it is so much easier to clean something that is already clean. It's easier to dust or neaten something that doesn't have that many items involved on top of it. And when you get it clean, take a picture. It will last longer, literally last longer. And it uh, can help motivate you someday when you let the desk get really bogged down and stuff, which trust me, it's going to happen. Uh, and then the photo can remind you that you've cleaned it once and how nice it felt and how productive you were with a cleaned up desk. And uh, it gives you kind of like a template or a guideline of how to set your, your desk up. Now, I'm in no way I'm saying that your space should be so blank and empty that there's no personality. I do make sure that on any of these surfaces, in the bathroom, the kitchen, my desk, I still have items that are decorative or quirky or cheerful. I love good design. I love kitschy things. I love handmade things. Uh, I love neutral and natural textures as well as I love bright colors. I love all white things, all black things. I love rainbows. I love everything, which is part of the reason why I'm borderline hoarder. But... <laughs> Maybe your space is clean, maybe it's empty, maybe it's wall-to-wall -wall with stuff, but without being gross or dirty or hard to upkeep, that's kind of the goal, right? It's like clean enough for you. You can curate your space so it's fun and functional. You can have as little or as much stuff as you want. You just want to make sure that your stuff doesn't start to own you. When I get stressed out and I let my clutter get out of control, that's when I end up feeling like... And, you know, if I'm if I know I'm going to have a hard time upkeeping an area of my home or if I notice that I'm relying a lot on a particular surface to catch a lot of my clutter, I make sure that I tackle that spot for a deep clean and make sure that when I reset it, I'm taking into consideration uh, the amount of stuff that I set it with and how hard I'm making it for my future self to keep that space clean. And as with most things, I can be. My, my own worst enemy when it comes to managing my stuff. All right, so we talked about counters, we talked about desks. Next up is tables. So depending on how big your space is and how many people you live with, you probably have at the very least a coffee table in your living room and a dining table. You may or may not have a kitchen table. It depends how big your house is. I live in a tiny two bedroom. Uh, you might have side tables next to your living room or den seating. You might have a patio table outside. You might have folding tables for various reasons. I'm not including nightstands in this section. We'll talk about that in the next section. When I was growing up, dining tables were just for dining. Coffee tables always had nothing on it or coffee table books on or under or inside them. But now that I'm an adult, although I have both of those pieces of furniture, our use of them has really evolved to fit what our lifestyle is. My husband and I actually eat dinner almost every evening at our coffee table. Uh, my nine-year-old self, by the way, had a dream that she would grow up and never be told that she couldn't watch TV during dinner. And her dream came true. My husband and I love TV. We, we love movies. We uh, Even once in a while, even if we turn the TV off and just talk to each other during dinner, 
we usually will sit on the couch and eat dinner there. So our coffee table always has on it our set of dinner napkins and a set of coasters because it's our de facto dining table. Um, and I actually do want to keep the table completely clear if possible. That also means I'm going to have to negotiate to get like a drawer or a shelf nearby to store the napkins and coasters. Uh, I'll get around to that eventually. For now, it does get cleaned every night after every meal, and it's very functional and a clean piece of furniture. Actually, this uh, is a piece of furniture my husband uh, takes care of to sand and revarnish once a year, even though it's actually a cheap IKEA coffee table. Uh, it just so happens to be made of real wood, not particle board. We've had it for quite a long time, and it's in really good condition. It's also a scratching post for, for our cats. Uh, and surprisingly, wrapping a bunch of uh, sisal rope around one of the legs actually has pre uh, prevented the cats from damaging the actual table because the rope is so thick, they never actually scratch the table leg. Um, and then as for my, so my coffee table, not a problem is what I'm saying. If you have coffee table problems, listen, this whole episode is just about how to deal with uh, surfaces. So uh, if you have a specific problem, you can ask me uh, or apply one of the other surface strategies from one of the other uh, areas that we've talked about to that coffee table. As for my dining table, since we don't eat there, it's actually a work table most of the time. I sew there. I do my architecture class projects like drawing and building models. Um, and out of the tables in our apartment that aren't desks, this is the spot I actually have the hardest time keeping clean. It's so easy to leave my projects there in between work sessions. It's really easy to leave papers there that I don't have the energy or the decision-making power to deal with. Um, However, I do make sure to put away all of my supplies into boxes and bins after every crafting session. Uh, and this is largely because we have cats. Uh, one, I have to make sure their hair doesn't get all over my projects. They really like to walk over things and lie down on fabric and stuff like that. And uh, I also just want to make sure my architectural models don't break. <laughs> They've been really good at not touching them, but I just don't want to chance it. Uh, they also love to eat any kind of stringy, yarny, thready looking things. So it's especially important that I clean those items up every time and put them away, even if I'm just going to be gone for a few minutes, because that's all it would take to run up a huge vet bill, just carelessly leaving some thread or yarn on the table. And uh, also right now, because we didn't have a place to store uh, my husband's old giant military style metal desk. Uh, the dining table is also storage. We basically, he took it apart, disassembled it, and um, stuck it between the wall and the dining table. That's the only spot that we had logically to put it, where we wouldn't be tripping over it all the time. Um, there are also tons of project boxes and boxes of things that I've set aside for donation that I have nowhere to bring during this pandemic. So that's all being stored underneath the dining table. So right now it's not very pretty, but it is really, really functional. If you have a dining table that's being used for storage and you don't like it, make sure you put that on your to-do list of projects and go through these steps. Same steps that we've talked about before. Visualize what it should look like, clear it completely, deep clean it, and then reset it the way that it should be. 
Really think about how the space would best benefit you. Does it become a functional dining area again? Um, what does it look like when the table is set? Do you have enough room for all the people you live with to sit at the table at the same time, etc.? I would also recommend if you are not using it for dining anyway, that you might want to figure out what would be the best function. Do you tape a line down the center and give your kids their own like Zoom school workspaces? Do you drape a tablecloth over it and use the underside for storage because there's nowhere else to put things? Is it a work table? Is it extra counter space when you're cooking? Or do you even need a dining table at all? Can you put something there completely, you know, completely? What am I trying to say? Can you get rid of the dining table if you don't need to use it uh, and put something else there that you will use? So lastly, let's talk about side tables. When I was growing up, again, these were less functional spaces than they were kind of display, like photo, photo frame display or museum type surfaces where you display your tchotchkes. Now, now that I have my own place, my side tables are actually really functional and rarely need cleaning. So a friend of ours, Emily, or Crafty Dragon, she moved back to Ohio from living in Los Angeles for a few years, and she gave us these really nice wood side tables uh, that have, uh, aside from the top, they have like kind of sides and then um, a little shelf on the bottom. So one of them holds our living room's air purifier that actually serves the whole front room, including the dining kitchen areas. Uh, and the other one is my husband's living room workstation. So he's got a charging station, um, including a charger for his laptop. He's got pens, pencils, paper under both of those. There's a shelf uh, for it's actually making really good uh, overflow storage for books. Uh, and because of the height of the tables, I have some really giant coffee table books under one of them. It is the perfect storage solution for the oversized books. So if you have side tables and there's a tendency to add clutter to them, consider why that is. Is it because there isn't enough storage nearby or surfaces for people to put their drinks and snacks while watching TV? It might be good to ask why people stack things there or why there are items, why there are items like photos or other memorabilia that are taking up the surface space that could be more functional. Would those items be better up on a wall, on a shelf, in a drawer, or are they there to stop people from piling things on top of the side table? That's also a possibility. So it all depends what you want. In any case, a side table might be a really quick cleaning project that can make you feel productive and like you're making some kind of dent in your cleaning routine. So don't neglect them. Okay, so we're getting down to the wire here. I'm going to take a tiny break for an ad and then we're back for more surface clearing strategies. All right, so next up is dressers and nightstands. Again, I'm just talking about the top surfaces, not the drawers themselves, if they have drawers. And we'll cover that in a future episode. I always grew up with the notion that the flat surface of any piece of furniture is just meant to be more storage, right? A lot of the homes that I grew up in would have a dresser and then you'd either have a big TV on top and the sides in the front of TV would gather just random items like remote controls or tissue boxes, makeup, bottles of lotion, pill bottles, bowls of keys and change. 
uh, piles of clothes you didn't have time to fold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There might even be stuff on top of the television. My nightstand would basically just be a huge pile of books that I didn't have room for on the bookshelves. It would get so dusty. And it's not a great idea to have such a lot of dust right next to your head when you're sleeping if, you know, it's a nightstand that, that you've got uh, just dust bunnies everywhere. Uh, nowadays, so that was like 20 years ago, we didn't even have cell phones. Nowadays, we would usually keep our phones right there, right by our heads, right by our heads. Uh, come to think of it, probably that's not a great idea, but uh, I actually don't have a nightstand <laughs> anymore because of the way we configured our furniture in the bedroom to allow for my home office to be in a corner of the room next to the windows. Uh, but before that happened, one of the major changes that I made um, that that I the goal was to lighten up my whole bedroom. It was to change our lighting. Uh, my husband and I both used to have these matching IKEA lamps with lampshades on our bedside tables, and my problem with them was twofold. First, the the bases of the lamps were so large in girth that they kind of took up like two thirds of the nightstand surface, leaving almost no room to put anything. Like you could put a book uh, or maybe like a mug of tea or a glass of water. And that, that was about all you had room for. If I wanted to put books there, I had to stick them under the lamp. Sometimes the cover would kind of get a ring on it from the weight of the lamp. So that was not a great solution. <laughs> uh, or just kind of had to cram it on the edge. Secondly, the lampshade was kind of this stiff, canvasy, accordion-shaped fabric, and it was really hard to clean, and they were just horrible, horrible dust magnets. So a few years after we got those lamps, I went back to Ikea. I found some really plain, uh, adjustable, bendable, clip-on plastic lamps, um, which sound like they wouldn't look good, but I'll, I'll put them on Instagram. They actually look kind of okay. Uh, we clip them to some mugs that we don't use for drinking. And these are like gifts from my mother-in-law. Uh, and they had no use otherwise because they're just really large, uh, giant mugs that, that we would never use for drinking. Uh, and we set these on each nightstand. So you can put random items that you might want to keep nearby. Again, pens, pencils. Sometimes I put my Apple pencil in there so I don't lose it, which... I lose it pretty frequently, even though I don't leave the apartment. Uh, you can also adjust the lamp to point to wherever you need the light to be, which I couldn't do with the old lamps. The nightstands also have three drawers, which my husband uses to store his socks and undies, so it's super functional for him. I've had to move mine, so I think that's actually where I'm going to try to clear some space for my desk drawer so I can sweep things into the nightstand at the end of the day. So think of the top of your nightstand and consider how much, how much space you're taking up with stuff, what should probably stay there, and what can probably go in a drawer and still be within reach. Again, it's so much easier to keep it clean and free of dust bunnies if there's not a lot of stuff piled on top. My new nightstand is actually in the last category of horizontal surfaces we'll talk about, which is shelves. I have so many shelves. I talked in the last episode about how at some point uh, before our last move, I had about 4,000 books and magazines. Well, to house all that stuff, I had a lot of shelves. 
Uh, and I've mentioned Ikea a bunch of times in this episode. I promise you this is not an ad. I'm just a super, super fan, lifelong fan of the company. Uh, that's because I grew up with architect parents. Hi, Mama and Papa. Uh, we lived in Singapore when I was very young, and I thought that church on Sundays meant that you go to church and then you go to Ikea. Like, you have to go to Ikea after church in order for it to be a successful, complete Sunday. Uh, when I was five, I really thought it was required. Um, I loved the ballroom there. I loved eating lunch there. I loved the furniture. And one of the best life skills that my parents ever taught me was how to assemble Ikea furniture. Uh, to this day, uh, no matter how arcane the instructions are for any type or brand of furniture, I can figure it out because of Ikea. Actually, I think it might be Ikea. I don't know. I haven't said this word in a long time. <laughs> uh, my, my parents even have stools and chairs and table tress trestles from Ikea from about the 1980s. So uh, when people complain about the poor quality or how hard they are to assemble, uh, I get really confused. I really don't understand those types of comments. If you're ever stumped trying to assemble Ikea furniture, I'm your person. Call me, DM me. I will walk you through it. Anyway, I digress. Uh, my two favorite shelves from Ikea are Ivar, I-V-A-R, which I'm now using as a kind of nightstand replacement slash household, like house plant uh, storage shelf, uh, and Kallax, which is K-A-L-L-A-X, um, which I'm using as a dresser replacement. Uh, both units are very sturdy. They come with earthquake straps so that you can strap them to a stud in the wall. Since this is earthquake country in California, that is a must. Um, Ivar are great because they're also adjustable, so you can really customize how tall the shelves are. Um, and then I like Kallax for like the clean uh, modular look that it has. We also use Kallax in the living room as our main bookshelves. So that is like the bulk of the books in our home currently are all on Kallax. Um, double stacked on there, actually. We'll talk about double stacking in a second. Um, we also have Kallax in the dining room as a cat tree. Uh, we used to have a normal cat tree, but our cats rarely use 75% of it. And the carpet fibers were just a dust and hair magnet. So we got rid of it and put shelves and they love it. Uh, anyway, because I used to work in a bookstore, and as I mentioned last time, I still have about a thousand books and magazines in our apartment, I do tend to arrange our shelves in a very particular manner. I always look at shelves in style magazines and places like House or Arch Daily or Apartment Therapy or whichever design show or site I might come across. And when I see shelves that are mostly display and maybe like 5% books, I absolutely cannot relate. Uh, my, mine are just chock full of, of books. That said, it really depends what it is you have that requires a shelf, how heavy that stuff is, and whether your shelves can take a lot of weight. I've actually had other bookshelves before, even other Ikea shelves like Billy bookshelves, which are very popular. And I've had them bow, like actually bend under the weight of my stuff. 
the same process that I've talked about, which is to visualize, clear, clean, and reset absolutely applies to shelves. For myself, shelves are the largest category of surface area I have in my home. Horizontal surfaces talking about. Um, you might have very few shelves and that's fine. These rules are still going to apply. First, consider how tall your shelves are. Almost all of my shelves go all the way up to the ceiling on purpose to take advantage of that storage space. Um, you're going, if you have tall shelves like I do, you're going to want to put lighter items on the top and heavy items on the bottom. You absolutely don't want things falling off the top shelves and landing on your head. Also, consider if the items that you want to store on the shelves are much shorter than the actual height of the shelf. You might want to put the item in a container that's stackable. You might want to get an insert or basket as something that splits the too large shelf into smaller sections that you can fill more efficiently. This is actually the case for us in our entertainment center. So we use Calux even for our like TV area. Since a lot of the Calex shelves are twice the height needed to store a lot of electronics, we have uh, we purchased the um, inserts that are made specifically for those. Consider also that some shelves are made to fit drawer inserts or cabinet doors, so you can have a combination of closed and open storage. Uh, it's another of the reasons I really like Calex. Uh, actually, for our cat tree, we got the little wine rack, so it like divides. Uh, a square shelf into nine tiny shelves uh, and that's been really handy for organizing the cat's things. So we put our toys in there and mitts and brushes and stuff like that. Uh, lastly, consider the depth of your shelves. So since I am a self-described book hoarder, uh, I'm a notorious double stacker. That means on most of my shelves it's not just one layer of books, there are often at least two layers of books on each shelf. Uh, make sure that you take that doubled weight into account if you are going to double stack, because that can really break your shelves if you're not thinking about it. Uh, and before you reset your shelves, consider what are you going for? Is this purely storage, like my living room bookshelves are? Uh, is it a display? We have books sorted by category and then alphabetical order within each category and then any space in front of a stack or double stack of books is um, display area for related items. For example, in front of my knitting book section, I might put a mug of knitting needles uh, or a yarn bowl with a ball of yarn or some of my knitting accessories in smaller containers. Uh, in front of my art books, I might have a little vignette of watercolors and brushes and paint palettes. Uh, we also have a lot of toys and Funko Pops all over the place, so it's kind of fun uh, if I end up with a little bit of free space and I have a Funko Pop that matches the stuff that's on that shelf. It's really uh, cute. <laughs> also consider that if you have a shelf that is near a power outlet, you might want to set up a charging station there with a container for all of your charging cables, adapters, and space to rest your devices. Um, we have these really cool surge protectors that come with USB ports, so you can charge multiple items at once, uh, and it even has slots where you can rest your devices. You can use little Velcro loops to organize your cables there, and if you're a stickler for the way it looks, you can set it up inside a drawer. Just make sure you put some kind of um, 
you can put a like a cover or partition in front of it. Just make sure there's enough air circulation in space so that you're not creating some kind of like electrical fire hazard by the way that you're arranging your devices and cables and chargers. Uh, so you might want to even use some shelves purely for display. That's great. But again, if you live in earthquake country like I do, you might want to consider using museum wax or repositionable putty, like the kind used to stick posters on the wall. You can use those to stick your items onto the shelf so that they don't fall or slide off during a natural disaster, or if something happens nearby that threatens to tip over the shelves or at least knock out their contents. Finally, consider shelves that you might not want to put anything on at all. I actually have a couple of shelves that are just always empty because the cats like to sit on them and look out the window. <laughs> so it all depends on the designated use for that shelf. Uh, a few apartments ago, we used to have a lot of DVDs and we had specific Ivar shelves for that, which they don't make anymore. I do kind of miss those shelves. In our last apartment before this one, we used to keep canned goods and pantry items on those shelves, which felt a little bit like having a grocery or a deli in our dining room. So there's lots of different ways that you can play these surfaces. You could keep them blank, you could curate them and just make little displays. You can use them fully for storage if you need to. Uh, be purposeful, be creative, and you can design your shelves and other surfaces to not only be functional, but also to contribute to the beauty of your space. Uh, one of my shelves is actually both my nightstand and the backdrop for my home office. So it's where I keep most of my indoor house plants and the electronics that I need for work. So it's super functional. Plus when I'm on Zoom meetings, you can kind of see my house plants behind me, which is, you know, that's the whole mood I want to project is like plant mom. <laughs> These are the surfaces that I touch the most throughout the week because I'm constantly using things and shifting where I'd like them to be. Take a look around your home and think about your surfaces, your shelves, your tables, your desk, the dressers, tops of them anyway, your side tables, end tables, nightstands, your folding tables, your TV trays, your kitchen and bathroom counters, your hard to reach spaces, anything that's flat. I should mention the top of the fridge also. We're notorious top of fridge stackers. So think to yourself, am I happy with how the surface looks? Is it functional? Is it easy to clean? Is it stressing me out? Uh, are there other places where items could be stored to free up the space? Visualize it being clean, clear it, clean it, and then reset it. Even if you just do one surface today, that's more surfaces than you had cleaned up a few minutes ago. If the sheer volume of work to clear a surface is giving you anxiety, pick the absolute smallest surface you've got. Take a before photo, set a timer for 10 minutes, and then go, 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 clean that sucker up. Remember to congratulate yourself once you've got it clear and clean and reset. Celebrate by taking an after photo. Even if you don't show it to anyone else, you can use it as a guide to clean that surface again in the future. Then again, if you take photos or videos of your space before and after organization and would like to share them with the rest of the Clean Your Room audience, please use the hashtag Clean Your Room Podcast Challenge to share these on Instagram and TikTok.
You can follow me on both platforms, again, at Clean Your Room Podcast. I'm also on Twitter as Fruit Juice. That's F-R-O-O-T-J-O-O-S. We also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group if you'd like to discuss with us, ask questions, or share your cleaning challenges. You can find links to that from my social media profiles, Linktree, and cleanyourroompodcast.com. So if you're a frequent listener, you can tell we're almost at the end here. If you have a cleaning or organization question that you'd like me to answer on the show, or if you have ideas for topics you would like me to cover on the podcast, you can find the links to how to send an audio message and to all of my social media on cleanyourroompodcast.com. You can also email in to info at cleanyourroompodcast.com. Again, you'll find this and all the rest of the links I've mentioned at cleanyourroompodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so in a variety of ways. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. You can rate or review the show. You can make a monthly contribution through our anchor.fm page, and you can even shop from our bookshop page, which also supports independent bookstores across the country with every purchase. Find us at bookshop.org shop slash clean your room podcast. And again, that's in the link tree and on the website. I'm adding new books uh, to there every week. Clean Your Room podcast is hosted and produced by me, Althea Alire. The original opening music is called Bubble Guts, also composed by me, the podcast logo was illustrated by Ashlyn Anstey. You can find more about her artwork and writing at ashlynna.com. This episode was sponsored by and produced on Anchor FM. Thanks for listening. This is Althea signing off and reminding you to clean your room.